There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast contains explicit language. Republicans are helping President Donald Trump undermine an investigation into his campaign's collusion with the Russian government, revealing that Trump is now in full control of the GOP. Trump delivered his first State of the Union address, but I had a hard time hearing it because my dog kept barking at the TV for some reason. Preston's reverence for those who have served our nation reminds us of why we salute our flag and why we proudly stand for the national anthem. And you might have seen news stories about people getting $1,000 bonuses because of the new tax law. These stories have been very misleading, and we can explain why. I'm Arthur Delaney. And I'm Elise Foley. And this is So That Happened, the HuffPost Politics podcast about things that happened in politics. All right, we are here with our colleague Ryan Riley, and we're going to talk about this Nunes memo. So let me know if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the House Intelligence Committee chairman, Devin Nunes, a Republican, um, has created this memo, his staff did, and then Republicans are all saying we must release the memo, which uh, hashtag release the memo hash- exactly, and uh, they may do so very soon uh, after the White House reviews it. Um, but Democrats say that actually this memo is pretty bogus and has a lot of things that are wrong. The FBI also says it has a lot of things that are wrong. And the goal uh, appears to be by Republicans and the White House to discredit the whole Mueller investigation by saying that the FBI is bad. Do I have that right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Essentially, that's yeah, that's the basics of it. I mean, it's a pretty extraordinary moment here because essentially what you have, you know, last week we had Trump's own Justice Department. Um, say that, you know, actually, you know, we have some concerns about this and this would be pretty irresponsible of you guys to go ahead and release this. This week we have the guy that Trump picked, you know, the FBI now headed by a guy that Trump picked to head the bureau saying, yeah, this is uh, is bogus, essentially, Um, saying that it omits all of these facts that, you know, basically (laughs) in some – it's a bunch of BS, (laughs) I mean, is basically what the FBI is saying. It's not just to discredit the special counsel Robert Mueller – who is investigating Trump's campaign for its collusion with the Russian government. It is potentially a pretext to fire Mueller. That's the, what the reporting says that, um, that, that Trump believes. And, you know, we do know that, uh, that the president watches a lot of Fox News, watches a lot of Sean Hannity, watches a lot of Fox and Friends. And I have been doing the same over the past couple of weeks because it's become an important part of my beat. Um, and that's what all this, all this is about. I mean, the idea that, you know... <laughs> The idea, essentially, you'd have to believe that Republicans suddenly are taking a very strong interest in um, the civil liberties of Carter Page, and that's what this is all about. I mean, that's just nonsense. There's n- no this is credible the tr- Trump campaign correct. guy who had a warrant on him, and the memo criticizes the material 
that was used in support of the warrant request. Which they support happening for other people, right? Right. They actually voted just last month, just a few Very weeks recently. ago. Yes, to yeah. reapprove, you know, FISA. Um, you know, listen, FISA has a lot of, you know, things that there can be legitimate civil liberties debates about. It's just that uh, it's not typically coming from the people who are behind this whole push because that's not really what the the issue is. The issue is is that you have, you know, Devin Nunez who is uh, was on the Trump transition um, using this as effectively a weapon against uh, you know, the special counsel. So as of Thursday afternoon, we have not seen the memo yet. Right. But we so know a what lot do we, about what do we know it. about what's in it? Uh, what we know about what's in it, well, you know, here's what Republicans have been saying. They've been saying that this is, you know, gets to the very foundations of our democracy and um, that this is worse than Watergate and people are going to be shocked and heads are going to roll and people are going to be fired. Um, what the, you know, and this is, again, you know, this is based off of classified documents, um, but it's stuff that the Republican, Republican staffers put together. So the question you have to ask yourself is whether they are reliable narrators and the indications um, are no, <laughs> they're not reliable narrators because you know you just look at their history on this and and you know look at some of the comments that members uh, have made and you kind of see what this is all about. Now you know you can like sort of you know put this nice gloss on it like you know um, House Speaker Paul Ryan tried to do and come out and say oh well, these are two totally separate issues, which is just like completely willfully ignorant and you know. I think dishonest about what this is the underlying you know issue really is here. I mean, this isn't about you know Carter Page's civil liberties. This is about undermining an ongoing investigation um, into a lot of Trump associates. It doesn't really matter what the memo actually says. If it's a pretext, it's a pretext. Right. It's not the thing of itself. It's the latest in a series of things that have been confusing and distracting. We had the love affair between the two agents. Uh, we we had the missing text messages between them. Like there's been many firestorms over multiple different things related to the investigation. Those and, missing texts, I believe, the president called one of the biggest stories in years, and and they found them in a day and kind of faded into the into the ether. Right. And so this this is a little different though because the FBI itself is saying it could compromise their sources. It could have some sort of adverse consequences. I don't I don't fully understand why I should believe that the memo itself would be so damaging. Yeah. I mean, so I don't think that the statement from the FBI, the position that they um, that they were taking, that DOJ took, I guess, as of last week was that, you know, there might be sources and methods uh, revealed here. And that was an issue. This week, the FBI's defense didn't really talk so much about that issue. It talked more about just that this was a dishonest BS memo um, in so many in so many formal FBI language words. But um, yeah, that was essentially Be- what they because said. because they claim that the stuff they got on Carter Page came from this discreditable campaign source. Correct. Whereas the truth is, they may have used that, but they also had their own work right. on Carter Page. And the guy was like giving speeches in yeah. Moscow. Publicly available information on Carter Page likely could have easily justified a, a FISA warrant on Carter Page. Like the idea that this was all we don't, you know. Again, we haven't seen the memo, but we're also not going to see the underlying um, documents here. And what what the what has been sort of floating out there is this idea that the Republicans are basically saying that, you know, this the entire the entirety of this uh, FISA warrant was based solely upon this information that was it turned out was you know being funded by by Democrats for this this dossier, which apparently the guy who was compiling the dossier didn't actually even know who his you know funders were. And if you want to even go even further, the Free Beacon was also <laughs> doing conservative research. news website. Yeah, it was also uh, you know funding. Um, 
some of that early work that was sort of looking into Trump. Um, so yeah, that's also that's also mixed up in it. It's it's essentially just a bunch of nonsense. I mean, is essentially the main takeaway that you so, should have here. We should talk about the degree to which this is working, and I think one indication of that was. There was a whole uh, mess on Twitter the day that this FBI release came out. Ryan, you tweeted the <laughs> release, which uh, a lot of uh, – it was a statement from the FBI, Correct. official statement. A lot of reporters got it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people tweeted it as well, not to knock your speed <laughs> of your tweet. but I think I got it up pretty early <laughs> on, but yes, continue. But you had this massive number of people accusing you of making it up. Yeah. And I think that that's really indicative of the fact that a lot of people, no matter what is reported and – uh, you know, what is discredited about all of these various efforts um, to discredit the FBI are just sticking with the president to the end on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's sad. I mean, it is because, you know, you have the idea that, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what the, the theory would be here, that, that a bunch of reporters just like colluded to make up a statement from the FBI. That like, was the theory. That's what they were saying. That was the theory. And like, oh, oh, where is it on FBI.gov? It's like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with how uh, government works, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time for them to update their website. Um, it takes a little, you know, there's, <laughs> they, they have some people for that, but you know, it's not as, it's, the deep state isn't, uh, isn't as tech savvy as you might but think. But it was thousands time. and thousands of people tweeting like, this, oh. is, this FBI statement does not exist. Right. When it was, you know, emailed to every reporter on the F- on the FBI's, you know, and then they did put it on their website. Right. So. The best thing I thought, <laughs> my favorite thing was that as part of this, there was one guy who was all upset, and then he sent another follow up tweet and said, "I called the DOJ press office <laughs> or the FBI press office, or that sorry, the FBI press office, and it is true, yeah. which is a great level of reporting, and I salute him." Yeah, I should really follow up with the FBI to see if they're getting like inundated with calls. Like, is this fake? That's, maybe that's why it took a while to put on the website. Probably. They were busy. The hero account here is at Joey Mags. Yeah. Hello. Joe so s- skipping ahead, we are actually on the precipice of a constitutional crisis because if they, you know, they put out the memo, they do use it as a pretext to fire the guy who's in control of Robert Mueller mm-hmm. and then put in another guy who gets rid of Robert Mueller. Where does that leave our government? I mean, that w- that would be... Really, something that I mean, would be worse than what Richard Nixon. We're in uncharted, you know, territory here, and I think that the the sort of you know scary, I suppose, thing looking at the um, you know a lot of actions of members of Congress on this have been, you know, this it's clear what the the memo is trying to do, right? Um, it's clear how it's going to be used. Um, I made I made the comparison to it's like you know if I hand it's like you know if I handed my daughter you know my t- my two year old chalk and said like you know oh hey if you could just like you know stay on this chalkboard and then I'm just like walk away and like not expect that she's going to go scribble all over because what the Republicans are doing is they're taking you know what Trump is is going to do and Republicans are doing is taking this information and weaponizing it against um, the special counsel investigation. Now what Paul Ryan wants to say is that oh we should limit it you know we're this isn't a, this isn't actually about the special counsel investigation. This is about this very specific issue. And, you know, we're going to stay inside these these confines and stay inside these lines, which is just nonsense. If you watch Fox News, if you watch, if you just, you know, listen to what Republicans have been saying about this and how they've been using it. Um, And yeah, it just it just doesn't it doesn't pass the smell test. It has always seemed as though Paul Ryan had a limit Mm -hmm. that he would go along with Trump when Trump said something obviously racist, he would call it racist. Mm -hmm. And that if Trump were to really overstep his bounds, the bounds of, uh, you know, executive power, People figured Paul Ryan would draw a line. Yeah. But it doesn't – despite what he said about how, no, we can put this out here and it's just about transparency for the uh, the way the FBI might be 
infringing civil liberties. But that's clearly nonsense. It seems like Paul Ryan is going all the way with yeah. Trump. I mean, this is a this is a new dynamic, I think, with Trump and congressional Republicans. Uh, a degree of unity between them that we'd never seen so clearly. And we've seen some uh, some of them say, like, we don't need to have a bill to say that Trump can't fire uh, Mueller because we don't think he's going to do that. Right. You know? So I, we're not I think, seeing that hard line. We're not right. seeing that line. And they're saying, and okay, for a no, while, this would it looked like far. they might feel that way, but right. they seem to have backed away from that. And I mean, it would hurt the party if yeah. something bad turns out about Trump yeah. in this. So they have a lot of incentive to try and cut it down. But yeah. by well, doing so, they're also cutting down the whole FBI. So yeah. it's interesting. We're talking about things though that are like amazingly clear that his campaign colluded with Russia. Mm-hmm. I mean, his son knowingly met with. Agents of the Russian government on the promise of dirt on Hillary Clinton. You know, okay, that's collusion. Yeah. I don't know what specific statute <laughs> that might violate. That's collusion. He fired the director, the previous director of the FBI, and, and specifically said it was because of the Russia investigation. That's obstruction of justice. He uh, was pushing to fire the special counsel until his uh, top attorney at the White House threatened to quit if he uh, he did so. Um, so that so guy has a line. That. Yeah, that guy has a little bit of a line. Um, so I, I was saying there are pretty obvious and serious, if not crimes, you know, doesn't look correct. <laughs> it doesn't look doesn't good. look like good governance. Looks corrupt. Right. I mean, here's the. I mean, the broader the broader step back sort of thing is, it, it, you know, you, there's that famous saying, "It's not the crime, it's the cover up." And I mean, I think that really does ring true here because it's probably not like if he had just let this investigation play out, and all you have is some sort of minor contact with, um, you know, between Don Jr. and you know these these Russian officials. That's it's not going to bring down his presidency. There's no way. Um, but what you have is when you have this cover-up happening, essentially, when you have him taking all these actions to stop this investigation and you know doing stuff that he you know that you know we don't want our presidents doing. Um, that's that's the problem here. And what's amazing is that it really isn't. A t- I mean, you look at all of the the people who've been turned into villains by Republicans in this whole act, and they're all Republicans. It's this isn't a situation. I mean, you know, we look at the, we look the at, director of the FBI, Chris Ray. Trump pick, Republican, long-time Republican. The guy in charge of the special counsel from within the FBI is uh, – from within the Justice Department. Within the Justice Department. The, Rod Rosenstein. Correct. A Republican. Or a long-time Republican. <laughs> James Comey, the former FBI director, he shit-canned. Yep. Republican. Republican. These are all Republican law enforcement people. They're all Republicans, you know. Yeah. Mueller. Robert Republican. Mueller. <laughs> Robert Mueller. Yeah. Um, it's it's just incredible. I mean, the idea that these guys are somehow just like deep state, you know, Democrats trying to. It's just it's just so crazy. But it's become this major, you know, alternative narrative that's being pushed uh, along. Republicans said, "Well, we'll still be Republicans. There are things we won't accept. We can control Trump." Yeah. And you know, almost a year in, it seemed as though, uh, you know, he's he was crass and yeah. corrupt, but that. Things were still okay, and uh, Republicans in Congress were still refusing to go along with yeah. with things he said, and you know, going on record saying it would be a mistake to fire the special counsel, mm-hmm. or you know, to take steps to do that. But now it just seems like we're in a totally different situation mm-hmm. where Republicans are basically going along with Trump. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're. I mean, I could see a scenario in which he does exactly that, and then they have built up all this stuff to point back to and say he was right to do it. 
let him get away with it. And they could additionally say, well, you know, he's in charge of his appointees. Yeah. So he can he can fire whom he pleases. Yeah. One more actually uh, recent development is that we found out that um, McCabe, the the former deputy uh, director of the FBI who'd been targeted and, you know, this idea was that he was his wife had gotten money for a political campaign from an associate of Clinton. So he was he should have recused himself, yada, yada, yada. Turned out he voted in the Republican primary in 2016. Uh, uh, There's this side. (laughs) So so Republican also. (laughs) There's this theory that. The FBI was unfair – the special counsel was unfair. The FBI was unfair in its pursuit of Carter Page. And that's what the memo is about. But there's this whole other theory that actually the FBI was targeting the Trump campaign all along. Because they it, did the worst job they, at terrible. it. terrible. Because yeah. they wanted Hillary yeah. Clinton to win, right? <laughs> because the FBI is full of Democrats as evidenced by these two lovebirds and their text messages. It's we're laughing, but that's actually, that's actually that's the narrative. Story. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, the strategy for getting Hillary Clinton was elected to, was to go out and blast her on um, publicly, you know, months before, and then send a letter that, you know, indicates days before the election that the investigation's ongoing and reopened. And then, you know, a couple of days before the investigation, send another <laughs> letter that also sets off a media um, firestorm, and you know, in every way, every way possible, the FBI's actions actually, you know, damaged. The Clinton campaign. There's no fair reading of the 2016 election that would ever suggest that the FBI's actions somehow hurt Trump. They just didn't. They hurt Clinton. When the Republicans were on a train to a retreat in West Virginia this week that they go to every year, the train crashed into a truck. And there were people, uh, including an organization called Gateway Pundit, which is credentialed by the Trump White House, saying it was a Democratic truck. Yeah. That this train was a conspiracy and, and, you know, a dry run or potentially an attempt for the resistance to start killing Republicans. Yep. We're in an insane place. I know this stuff has always existed, but I believe that – It's been really amplified. Particularly in the last month. Like it's getting really crazy right now. I mean one of the – Got you know one of Trump's biggest champions who's been out there on Fox and all these other networks was in Infowars this week. This guy you know who's um, been going around this Florida congressman Matt Gates. Matt Gates Infowars. Yeah, <laughs> his guest of the State of the Union was a Holocaust denying troll who makes stuff up. Chuck Johnson about reporters and what you know about uh, you know whatever else is is going on in the news. So this is a weird bad time. It is. <laughs> Well, Ryan, you'll have to come (laughs) back and update us on whatever happens. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thanks, Arthur. Yeah. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Thank you.
you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe to it and tell all your friends to subscribe to it and give it a review on Apple Podcasts of four to five stars, ideally five. Thank you for listening. We're back. This is Arthur and it's Elise. Hey. And it's SV Date, our senior White House correspondent. Hey, guys. The president made an important speech this week, and entirely predictably, because he didn't poop or throw up or fall over, everyone was like, wow. Not everyone. Well, uh, an overwhelming <laughs> number of people It seemed like it wouldn't impressed. happen again that uh, all the, a lot of pundits would be like, wow, amazing, pivot, everything's <laughs> turning around. It seemed like maybe people would have learned from last time he did a joint address last year, but no. Not everybody learned. He can read a speech off a teleprompter. Yeah. It's not the first time he's done that, and it doesn't change anything. Um, but the, as you observed in your uh, piece, SV, this, the, a teleprompter speech makes Trump sound much more like a conventional Republican with uh, things that are maybe misleading uh, and not wildly untrue uh, like when he tweets or is speaking off the cuff to reporters. That's right. I, and most State of the Union speeches try to take the facts that are out there and spin them you know, in favor of the person giving the speech, right? That, that You expect that. What you don't – what ought to offend people is when they're just flat-out made-up facts. And uh, we saw those again in this speech. Not as many as you would normally have in an 80-minute um, dissertation by Donald Trump – because someone else wrote the speech, as you point out, right? And, yeah. and he did a decent job of reading from it. Although I did note that he mainly looked at the left-hand screen on the prompter. I'm not sure why. He can't turn the he's, other way. He's or, not as good as Obama. Or as any at other teleport. human being who spent even 10 minutes learning how to use it. He's refused training. Maybe the right one whatever. broke. Uh, sure. Okay. That's, Maybe I'm it's sure a political metaphor of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, quit, now, Sorry. Quickly. <laughs> Uh, what were some of the, the big whoppers in there? He said he had the biggest tax cuts of yeah. all time. Not true? Right. That's not true. Not yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, they are the eighth biggest yeah. tax cuts of all time. Yeah, or fourth biggest uh, if you count them in a Depending different way. Metric, but, right. yeah. but then he said once again that uh, people coming in through uh, the lease, the visa lottery system are dangerous and bad and we don't know who they are. That's not true. And he said that so many times and it's just a way of getting uh, his – the people who support him, who are nativists and who don't like immigrants to begin with, you know, to get all get them all riled up. Yeah, and he also said that on uh, family-based immigration that people could come and just bring like a virtually unlimited number <laughs> of relatives. That's really not that's not true. Right. Nobody can sponsor a cousin now and he, and or anything. He, but you know, they they twist it so that they can say that it's based on something. But if he had graphic examples of victims of crimes. Yeah, which uh, which are true stories. True stories, but in fact, um, immigrants are less likely to commit crimes than that people is, who are born. That's here. correct. Yeah, but so yeah, but even then, though, uh, there were way fewer of the flat out untruths as as you you normally get from a distillation of uh, or a compilation of like ten or eleven media events when Donald Trump will have maybe a hundred untrue right. things in, in that same time period. Now, there, here is a clip that truly encapsulates um, the speech. It tells you everything you need to know about it. Tonight, I am extending an open hand to work with members of both parties, Democrats and Republicans, to protect our citizens of every background, color, religion, and creed. 
my duty and the sacred duty of every elected official in this chamber is to defend Americans, to protect their safety, their families, their communities, and their right to the American dream. Because Americans are dreamers, too. Well, <clears throat> that's a way of expropriating the, appropriating the, the dreamer tag, right, from, uh, from the people who actually have been using it for years. And this was the thing that everyone was looking for, the pivot. He was going to work with Democrats. He was going to extend his hand out to work with Democrats. Well, here's a tweet from this morning. They resist, blame, complain, and obstruct and do nothing. So we're back to normal with you know yeah and we we should note that the clip that we just heard was part of the section of his speech specifically when he was talking about immigration so it was very pointed to use something like americans are dreamers too it was during the section that everybody was waiting for to hear what he plans to do about dreamers the young undocumented people who came to the u.s as kids who he's put hundreds of thousands of them at uh, in jeopardy of losing their work permits and uh you know potentially being deported. And so he used that time to kind of say, I want Democrats to work with me and also make these jabs at Democrats and then make this pitch for his proposed policies that he kept saying was a middle of the road pitch that everybody should be okay with when it's really quite extreme and even members of his own party don't like pieces of it. I thought it's remarkably similar to saying all lives matter. Uh, you know, you, if you're using dreamers in the sense that, you know, people have dreams, but there was a really clear policy connotation. Yeah. And what he was saying was that the first priority of what we need to do is we need to think about what it means for Americans, which, you know, makes make sense. He's the president of the U.S. But the message behind that was that immigrants are bad for America. We should keep in mind a lot of Ameri- immigrants are American. Americans, <laughs> um, but that immigrants are bad, and we need to think about Americans, as in probably native-born Americans, first. So it was, you know, all part of a kind of generally anti-immigrant speech. The one reason this clip is so important is that the call for bipartisanship was something that resonated with a lot of pundits, or at least several of them. You heard it on cable news. And you saw it on newspaper headlines, a call for bipartisanship. Well, the reason it resonated is because the White House said he was going to say it. and to, So they know, were ready for exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. So we could write our headlines and you know, hit the send story you know, as soon as the speech I, was over. I and, mean, if you're even mildly realistic about things, you have to call for bipartisanship with everything because right. everything needs bipartisanship to get through the Senate at the very least. So making a call for bipartisanship is not like such a dramatic political position. It's just a kind of a statement of reality. Well, here's the real reality here, right? People who watched that speech wasted one hour, 20 minutes, 34.37 seconds of their lives for no good reason at all because the speech is now done. (laughs) Okay. And we are back to the pre-speech Trump, which is saying in crazy things on Twitter and saying even crazier things when he just happens to walk by you on the way to his helicopter. So uh, none of it mattered. None of it mattered. We should know this by now. He's been running and being president for getting on, what, three years. The speech did not address the thing lingering over politics this week, which is the uh, investigation into his campaign's collusion with Russia and his attempts to delegitimize that investigation. Right. And which would be I guess that would be yeah. a weird thing to talk about in your state of the union. 
Well, except for the fact that Congress had specifically passed a law requiring him to impose sanctions on Russia, and he basically just kind of blew it off. He was supposed to figure out the people who were uh, gaining illicitly from corruption, et cetera, who were tied to Vladimir Putin. Instead, he just took a list of rich Russians from Forbes magazine and released that as the as a list of people we should be shaming. So. He denigrated uh, the country of North Korea at great length, which was conspicuous. Um, foreign policy, people were not expecting that and wondered if it was a prelude to some kind of war. Well, there's been talk about a limited strike against North Korea for a while now, a so-called bloody nose attack that I, I guess they're supposed to know we're just going to bloody their nose and not just beat their head to a pulp and, you know, and force them to retaliate by killing hundreds of thousands of people in Seoul, which they can do within minutes. Let's not forget that. Uh, right? uh, so, one thing I've learned uh, from Dwight Eisenhower, it's that you know, limited, really small wars are effective and never get out of control. <laughs> Here's another clip from the speech. It's President Trump pointing to a guest in the audience, uh, a person who is an example of something either really good or really bad. There were a lot of these during the speech. Here tonight is Preston Sharp. A 12-year-old boy from Redding, California, who noticed that veterans' graves were not marked with flags on Veterans Day. He decided all by himself to change that and started a movement that has now placed 40,000 flags at the graves of our great heroes. Preston, a job well done. Preston's reverence for those who have served our nation reminds us of why we salute our flag, why we put our hands on our hearts for the Pledge of Allegiance, and why we proudly stand for the national anthem. That was a uh, a really loud dog whistle. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's after this nice story about, you know, this kid doing something nice and then he takes it to make a jab at uh you know nfl players which you know that his base immediately thought of when he said stand for the national anthem uh, preston by the way was there with melania instead of uh baron right which was confusing to me for a second that's not Baron. Uh, but anyway it was good good for preston but yeah this is uh it's a dog whistle in that just like elise said you know normally trump would not use a dog whistle he would just say Football players are sons of bitches, which he— Well, African-American football players. Right. right. Football players who don't stand for the flag are, are sons of bitches who should right. be fired. Uh, you know he said that. Everyone knows that that was what that was about. Right. And uh, it's it's just something that gets lost, I think, in because there's so many other crazy things happening. But a, a very notable dog whistle before a joint session of Congress. Mm-hmm. And we know from you know the many stories about Trump supporters and his base and how they're feeling now— that there are a lot of people who the NFL issue, the NFL protester issue really resonates with and who get really, really riled up about the idea of these, you know, African-American football players protesting violence by police against other black people. So that's something that, you know, gets to the people who are watching the speech and love him. And I mean, it might it might sound innocuous, I think, to a lot of people, but uh, I think the people that he's speaking to understood what he was talking about oh just like david duke said thank you so much for saying that all americans are dreamers uh it's it's heard loud and clear and it's the reason why when you see these profiles of 
Trump supporters whose circumstances have not changed in the past two years uh, who are asked why they still support Trump when he did not deliver on X, Y, or Z explicit campaign promise such as the wall, such as NAFTA, still support him. It's this, this kind of cultural stuff is a, is a real priority for a lot of people. Yeah, well, and that's been the case for Republican Party base for many, many years, uh, going back decades. Uh, again, the only real fraction of the population that changed its mind between 2012 and 2016 were those who voted for the President Obama once or twice, twice, and then switched and voted for Donald Trump. And they truly were doing it for economic reasons. They weren't doing it, obviously, because of uh, of, of Donald Trump's dog whistles about black people. So uh, going to places that have always voted Republican, have always voted Republican, will continue to do so seems – I'm not sure what the value of that is. Uh, to return to the dreamers thing before we wrap up, it's a, a significant time because we, there's until next week to strike a deal on government funding, and uh, you know they don't seem to have made any progress on that. They need Senate Democrats to come along. Elise, in your reporting, have you turned up any clues that that's going to happen? I mean, I think as long as the Trump administration is insisting on the types of things it's insisting on, uh, Democrats are not going to uh, go along with it. So these massive types of cuts to legal immigration are just not something that Democrats are willing to do. And even, you know, dreamer activists themselves are like, we don't want you to sell out so many other immigrants, put undocumented communities at more risk of being deported uh, for us. So I, I don't see a deal coming together in the next week. I don't think that the president antagonizing Democrats is likely to particularly help. And right now, Republicans are all off on a retreat away from Democrats. So uh, obviously, not much progress happening at the member to member level. As a reminder, the thing on offer from Mitch McConnell is that they can have a vote on standalone DACA legislation after that next government funding deadline um, should it not be included in whatever funding package they pass. So that's that's when the thing Democrats supposedly got in return for their last uh, vote in favor of reopening the government will actually come to fruition. Unless, Maybe. Unless I mean, I, it's also pretty easy to say, look, you don't have a deal yet, so you can't have a vote yet. Hmm. hmm. In any event, I'm not sure that Allowing the government to shut down and then be blamed for it is helpful for the Democrats, and I think probably uh, Minority Leader Schumer understands that and, and will take make more of an effort to prevent that from happening. I, I don't think it it doesn't matter that much. You remember no, that shutdown? It, it was like a year ago. <laughs> it was like was, two minutes ago, true, and it feels like it was ages. That's true. Uh, but the last one that went on for a couple of weeks, then we started seeing stories about, oh, people are going to miss their rent payment because of this. And so that was the Ted Cruz shutdown. Right. Over repealing Obamacare somehow, and it got them nowhere. Democrats should have learned a lesson from that. I don't know, man. That shutdown occurred think- without a tsunami of other weird stuff. At all times. They've shown twice that they're willing to vote for these bills without getting what they want. So I, uh, I had to make point. a bet. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, the Democrats want to play a game of chicken. Oh, I wonder if they'll bling. Of course, uh-huh. they'll bl- they, yeah. they're very blinky. They're dry eyes. Bling. <laughs> yeah, dry eyes. <laughs> Elise Foley, Sharish uh, Date, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure.
joined by our colleague Dave Jamison. Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, guys. Hey, Arthur. Hey. And we're going to talk about these all these bonuses that are coming out. So the Republicans have been really touting all these bonuses that big companies are announcing, giving their workers, and saying, oh, look, they're giving out $1,000 to employees. You get a which bonus. Which sounds great. You get a bonus. Right? Yeah. You get a bonus. And we're, we'd like to state for the record, we're very happy for all the people getting bonuses. We are More getting a bonus. Yeah, we are getting it's a great. bonus. Verizon bonus. Our, our Everybody parent, should get bonuses all the time. Our parent company, Verizon, said it's giving all its employees 50 shares of stock vesting over two years, which is uh, comes to 2500 or so at today's stock price. It's great. Cha-ching. Nevertheless, I must say, this is a uh, corporate charm offensive that is totally cheap in relation to the value of tax cuts that companies are getting and one that is being exploited uh, very aggressively by Republicans in Congress, especially Paul Ryan. And also uh, Donald Trump was talking about it on Thursday. And uh, you get a kind of misleading picture of what's going on if you listen to what they say. Well, first of all, a lot of these places are are bonuses only. They're not raising wages, and there's a big difference with that. The vast majority is not increases in pay. It's We're a one- talking a one-time bonus, thousand dollars typically. Oh, and, oh, is, they, oh, they, is they, that right? Is they, it typically? Your eyebrows went up. They sure um, did. Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, some of the biggest employers in the United States said their workers are getting a thousand dollar bonuses. Is that not true? In most cases, it's not true, actually. Oh, I when can't you, believe it. When you take a look at the fine print of these bonus programs, you'll see that, at least in the case of these big retailers that there's been a lot of press about, Walmart, which started this, followed by Home Depot, followed by Lowe's, the $1,000 is only paid out if you have 20 years in at the company. Wow. And I say, if you go looking for a Home Depot worker who's been working in that store for 20 years, you're not going to find a whole lot of them. You know, retail turns over really fast. Uh, Most people probably don't last a year on the job. Although, what were the latest BLS statistics we saw? Well, we the retail industry has an above average rate of turnover, which uh, all industries have turnover. The average duration that anyone holds their job is four years. Yeah, Yeah. working at any job for 20 years, not very common. No. That's like you 1950s stuff. You showed up at the plant after the war and got were, the union card. Yeah, you got a watch 30 years later. <laughs> and then your kid worked there too. Yeah. Doesn't really happen a lot these days. No. But especially not in retail. We were talking earlier in the office about how at Costco, on the name tags, it says how long the worker's been there. So you go to your Costco and, you know, Jojo there says he's been there eight years. That's really rare. That's partly because Costco has a very good reputation. They pay pretty well and people stay there a long time. Most retail stores, very high turnover. So point is, with these bonuses, it's like a progressive scale. And if in all of these situations, uh, if you have less than two years in at Walmart, you're getting $200. Less than two years in at Home Depot, $200. Less than two years in at Lowe's, only $150. So we're talking like most workers are skewed down to the bottom of that scale. And if you've got 10 years, you're in the middle and you get a few hundred bucks. Point is, very, very few people are actually getting that $1,000 that everybody is out there talking about on cable news and that all the Republicans are sending press releases out about there. It's a very, very small uh, share of these workers. Most workers are getting a much, much smaller amount. 
Um, they they are keeping a running tally. The Republicans are, and it's like 250 companies at this point, including about 50 that are in the Fortune 500, meaning they're very big, rich companies. And uh, it, they say it amounts to three million people, which is a lot. But all, at the same time, that is less than two percent of the U.S. labor force. So perspective is very valuable here. Yeah, and I think the PR battleground is that's be, is over perspective. Nancy Pelosi said that these bonuses are crumbs. Not the smartest political statement. Politically, it may have been unwise. This is not what, when you said it against the false premise that everybody's getting a thousand dollars because a thousand dollars sounds sounds great. Right. Well, this is Nancy Pelosi. There's some uh, a tax advantage in the beginning for families, and that's their enticement. While they give banquets to the rest of the, uh, to the high end, to the top 1%, to corporate America, they're giving, I say crumbs, they mock me in ads for saying, compared to the banquet they give at the high end. Nancy Pelosi is uh, not the best at sentences, but anyway. But what you're saying is that she was right. She's completely right. In the context of a $2 trillion tax cut and tax savings for individual companies worth Billions of dollars, bonuses that amount to millions are crumbs. I mean, if, you, if a crumb is a small percentage of a larger thing, it's completely fair. But in, it's a, what Republicans are saying, well, fancy Nancy, in the context of a working stiff's finances, $1,000 is a lot of money. And here is Donald Trump on that Thursday afternoon. We were waiting. We were waiting for February. And then we got hit with these corporations giving tremendous bonuses to everybody that Nancy Pelosi called crumbs. That was a bad, that could be like deplorable. Does that make sense? Deplorable and crumbs. Those two words, they seem to have a resemblance. I hope it has the same meaning. But she called it crumbs when people are getting $2,000 and $3,000 and $1,000. That's not crumbs. That's a lot of money. Uh, Donald Trump's not very good at sentences either. <laughs> but that, that, this is Republicans every day, two, three times a day. I'm getting a press release from Paul Ryan and other members of House leadership in the White House saying, you really think this is crumbs? Because another company has announced a $1,000 bonus. And they always cite that $1,000 figure as if $1,000 is across the board for everybody. That's right. Um, now, $1,000 is the headline that companies themselves are putting out there. So this is not as if Republicans are making it up. Uh, Corporate America, of its own initiative, is on a major PR campaign to boost the prospects, uh, boost public perception of this law. And I think it's yeah. working. It's set and spike is what's going on right set now. Set and spike. That's right. <laughs> and there are a lot of reasons for them to be doing this. One is- Thank you, for, for one. Thank you. Thank you for giving makes us this big look text. Good. That's right. Uh, it it makes the co- the company itself look good. Companies these days are known as rich and profitable and stingy because jobs are bad. People know that, right? And look, this isn't brand new. You know, you look at Walmart. They've for the past three years or so, uh, they would announce we're raising our minimum wage this year. It's going from nine to ten dollars, or ten dollars to eleven dollars, and, and what have you. And they do that, and they get a lot of good press about it. And it's great to see wages going up. But you got to wonder how much does that have to do with a recovering economy and a tightening labor market? We're like getting close to full employment. Uh, it's there's, 
you got having to compete for workers. If you're Walmart and you're competing with Home Depot or Lowe's, you're going to have to raise your wages if you're going to want to keep people in those jobs, experienced people. And that's a lot of what's going on. You yeah. know, you could say we're doing we're giving we're raising our wages because we're we're a benevolent company, we're a great employer or we're doing it because Paul Ryan delivered for us. You can say whatever you want. I mean, the economy probably has more to do with it than anything. Another reason companies are out there talking about the tax bill is that if they're publicly traded, they actually have uh, a responsibility to uh, disclose major events that are going to have a you know material effect on their share price. So they disclose to the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, you know, that this tax cut is going to benefit them, and they may also increase wages or or do some bonuses. But I, the Pelosi thing is going to. It looks to me right now like it's destined for her famous – the status of her famous quote, you have to pass Obamacare to see what's in it because Republicans are never going to let go. Like they think it's golden. And it's funny because it's true. She's making a completely good point. Yeah, it's a very, very valid point, especially when you're talking about that $150 bonus. That's really what, what the Lowe's worker is getting because that guy's been there for 14 months. But and, un- and 14 months is, is, is like kind of a long time in retail in a lot of places too. But it's unfortunate for Nancy Pelosi because she already has this very elite reputation. She's very rich and from San Francisco. So it's, it's like the perfect pinata for Republicans. And I, I think we'll keep hearing about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also regarding the uh, – an element of this we didn't talk about too much, the – value of these bonuses, for instance, in Verizon's case, Verizon is our parent company, giving us the stock. They they say the stock awards are going to cost them like $400 million. And that's our estimate of how much it would cost them to give all their workers this amount of shares. Their tax savings is $4 billion. And, I think, and that's from what I looked at, the uh, Fortune 500 companies on the uh, list that Republicans are keeping, that's typical. They're, that the amount of extra compensation is a fraction of the tax savings. Yeah, the premise of kind of what's going on here with Republicans is just that like it doesn't matter how much of a share workers are getting. If they're getting something, this thing is working, man. Right. Uh which they you know they always said that even though the tax cut was directed at companies workers would ultimately benefit what's lost in the details is they never said that there would be a bunch of bonuses. They said that workers would benefit in the long run from increased capital investment in things like machines that would make the workers more productive. And the data doesn't show that capital investment yet because it's too soon. But God forbid we have a debate about the actual policy. The the bonuses turned out to be a PR bonus. Who knew? (laughs) Very good. Um, all right. Well, maybe we can leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Good um, ending, Dave. You want to end on that zinger there? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Dave Jameson. Thanks, Arthur. Thanks for having me. I Yeah. Stock award for all our listeners. <laughs> Everybody gets $1,000. Yeah. Just check the fine print. As long as you've listened to this podcast for 20 years. So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced, edited, and engineered by Zach Young. Our executive producer is Nick Offenberg. I'm Elise Foley, and this week we were joined by HuffPost reporters Arthur Delaney, S.V. Date, Brian Riley, and Dave Jamison. So That Happened is available on Apple Podcasts. Check out the whole family of HuffPost podcasts in the iTunes store 
And while you're there, subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, send an email to so that happened at HuffPost.com and I will respond to it and I'll say thank you for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.